All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Kyle here. And you know, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the name of Revive School. Um, we had some friends in Wisconsin. If you'll notice, they, they made me a soapbox. And then they have the little logo here, the Revive School. And, and everything that we do, our, our name has always been, uh, you know, don't you love, just so you know, there's actually soap inside the box. Hey, that's pretty cool. You know, everything that we do at Time Revive, like it has to do with revive, whatever. And Kevin, when you hear the word revive, Rich, Drew, we're going to go there with you guys. You guys are all old school here. When you just hear the word revive, anything, what comes to your mind? Wake up what was once alive. That was once alive. Okay, good. Rich, what about you? Yeah, I was just thinking that um, something is dead and it needs to be brought back to life. Yeah, that's good. Okay, Drew, what do you got? Uh, I was thinking of CPR, keeping something from dying, keeping it alive. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, in Revelation 3, just as you guys were talking there, i just see if I can go there. It says, be alert. Revelation 3, 2 just says this, be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. And then it says in verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. But if you are not alert, I will come like a thief and you have no idea at what hour I will come against you. And here you have Revelation 2 and 3. If you go back to verse 2, Kevin. I mean, we're talking about the things that are inside of you. But the problem is it's about to die. And the scripture says, I'm looking at you and I'm not finding what you're doing complete. I need you to wake up to the truth and we used to say this line that transforms lives. I need you to wake up to the truth that's inside of you. And what's happening in the Old Testament, what's happening in 2 Kings, truly is this King Josiah. Now think about this on our, on our chart. Here you have Manasseh and Ammon. Like they're probably destroying, getting rid of the, the manuscripts. Hezekiah knew the word, but these two guys were the, one of the most wicked kings of all of, uh, of Judah. And Josiah, all of a sudden, he is awakened to the truth that his fathers knew. Think about this. You have uh, Shaphan and Hilkiah. They're, they're the priest and his court secretary. They're finding this word. They're reading this word. And Josiah has a chance to do something with this. The question is, is are we willing to be revived with what we've been given? And when I think about time revive, our, our goal is, is to go into the local church, to go to the body of Christ. And I know this sounds forward, but folks, we need a revival in the body of Christ. And so, you know, this whole soapbox here, you know, what I love about it is, it's kind of like this mentality and it's just like every once in a while when you get on it and you stand on it, like you know that this is a message from the Lord. And I'm not saying this whole message that we're going to talk about today is from the Lord. All I just want to just say is, is you guys, the church needs to humble themselves and recognize with a heart condition, we need more. Like we can't be satisfied with this status quo. God, would you please revive Texas? Father, would you please revive all of Minnesota? God, would you revive, and you fill in the blank, Wisconsin, would you revive Florida? And God, within these states, within these cities, is the body of Christ. And it's almost just like, oh yeah, I don't know where I've put the word of God. You know, Hilkiah, they, they find the word, maybe it was missing, maybe it was hidden, but then they find it, and it's like, oh wow, 
I think some of us, we just need to literally just go, like we need to dust off our Bibles and realize this is alive and active. If you'll go there, Kevin, Hebrews 4, verse 12, like we need to be revived in the word. We need to be revived in the truth. And Hebrews 4, 12 says, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. If there is no word of God, you have no standard. If there's no standard, it's a free-for-all. And once it's a free-for-all, if you're not careful, it looks just like what we're seeing in America today. And in my opinion, it is time to revive. It is time to renew where we're at. And that's exactly what Josiah is doing. King Josiah jumping in to 2 Kings 23, after he realizes, whoa, we have the word of God, he begins to gather everybody together. It says, so the king sent messengers and they gathered all of the elders of Jerusalem and Judah to him. And then this is what they say. Then the king went to the Lord's temple with all of the men of Judah and all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem as well as the priests and the prophets, like nobody's left out, as all the people from the youngest to the oldest, as they listen, he read the words, all of the words of the book of the covenant that have been found in the Lord's temple. Josiah the king is bold enough to say, you know what? We were wrong. The word of God says, this is what we need to be doing. We were wrong. And he begins to declare the word to all of the people. And he says, everybody heard as he read the words of the Lord. I mean, think about this. Moses did this before people went into Canaan. He gathered everybody together and he, he restated uh, this is what it must look like. You know, go to Joshua 8.34, if you would, Kevin. Joshua does this. So Moses does this. Joshua does this. Joshua 8.34. Afterwards, Joshua read aloud all the words of the law, the blessings as well as the curses, according to all that is written in the book of the law. So as people are getting ready to enter into a new season, as they begin to renew who they are in the Lord, you got to go back to the Word. Samuel. In 1 Samuel 7, 2, Kevin, if you'll go there. 1 Samuel 7, 2. says this, Then time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken to Kiriath-Jerim. I mean, 20 years. I think it was Tom Schieffer saying it, that Kiriath-Jerim had the ark in the, in the living room. <laughs> Just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, the whole house of Israel began to seek the Lord. And so I think there's just there's something here about when you gather everybody together and you're just saying, you know, we need you, God. And Josiah in first Kings 22, second Kings 22, that, that's what happens. He gathers everybody together. And so as we transfer over into 23, you're going to be seeing and I'll just write down some of these things in the first three verses. Just says and Wearsby just kind of breaks this up. It's pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. There's a covenanting of the land. Like there's a rededication of the land. There's a saying, you know, wow, we got to get back to what the Lord is saying. Because in verse three, look what this says. It says the king stood by the pillar and he made a covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands. There was a covenant that was reestablished, that was revived, that was renewed throughout all of the land. And, you know, isn't it cool that the king admits they haven't been following the Lord. We haven't been following His commands. We haven't been following His decrees or His statutes, let alone with a, a mind and a heart that's radically sold out to Him. And so He says, this is what we're going to do. All of us are going to keep His commands. 
All of us are going to keep his decrees. All of us are going to keep his statutes. And then with all of his, his mind, with all of his heart and to carry out. Look at this. So we're not just going to read it, right? Isn't this the best? We're not just going to be these sponges, but like we don't want to just study this and soak up this word. We want to carry out the words of this covenant. Like we actually want to live it out. We actually want to model exactly what we just heard. And it says all the people agreed to the covenant. All of the people decided we're going to obey the Lord. When is the last time in Kings we've heard anybody ever say that? All because it goes back to what we talked about yesterday. Do you guys remember this? When you have a heart, right, that is humble and hungry, right? You have a recipe for revival. And in this process... He then took this in 2 Kings 22, and then he said, Hey, everybody, are you in? And all of them said, We're in. Revival begins to take place in Judah. Scripture continues on in verse 4. Not only is there a covenant of the land, but then you're going to see, it's going to go through verses 4 through 20. So there's a lot here. You're going to see reforming the land. So think about this, okay? This is what's cool to me is that once you see revival, once revival begins to break out, like what would be some qualities, you guys, that when we are in cities and we know that revival is breaking out, what would be some indicators, Kevin? Just people continue to come with a desire to learn. People coming with a desire to learn. What else? Drew, what would you say? What would be, you're like, oh, I know revival's breaking out because I saw that. <laughs> One of the things is they won't leave at night. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's funny and you're like, gosh, leave, but... People want to stay together and keep talking. It's good. Okay, Rich, what do you got? Uh, people are just excited not only for the Word, but to actually see the Holy Spirit move. And I think once you see the Holy Spirit move, because they've gathered together, they've heard a uh, word from the Lord, they're actually they're going out, right? True revival means they're obeying the Word in such a way that their community actually begins to change. You should see reformation in the community. You should see transformation inside the community. So now think about this in verse 4. Like once you hear from the Lord, you have to live it out. And so the king then in verse 4 says, And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest and the priests of the second rank and the doorkeepers, to bring out of the Lord's temple all the articles made for Baal, Asherah, and the whole heavenly host. Can you, can you imagine this, you guys? Hilkiah, the high priest, the priests, and the doorkeepers. Like, they're bringing out belongings that are literally of false idols. And it says, He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, in the valley of Kidron, right? And carried their ashes to Bethel. I love this picture because they literally are removing all... There's, there's a cleansing. This is an interesting thought here. Ten miles north of Jerusalem, they have to walk, they have to carry all of these ashes from Baal and Asherah and the whole heavenly host. Why? Because Jeroboam the first, our buddy, <laughs> the first king of Israel, Jeroboam the first, I mean, we're talking aside from, you know, before they were, when they, when they were split. Jeroboam the first, he set up an apostate worship center in Bethel. And so Josiah used the ashes of burned articles of idolatry to desecrate Jeroboam's religious center. It was almost like, it's back on you now, Jeroboam. No more. No more. So think about this. Here you have Josiah sending a note saying, we don't agree. The southern kingdom says, that's not right. Just kind of an interesting picture. And so they're carrying all of these 
these ashes. So scripture continues on in verse 5. Then he did away with the idolatrous priests, the kings of Judah, that had appointed to burn incense at the high places in the city of Judah and in the areas surrounding Jerusalem. They had burned incense to Baal and the sun, moon, constellations, and the whole heavenly host. Does it not feel like we've talked about this stuff before? Like, oh, by the way, they did evil on the side of the Lord. <laughs> and then, oh, what else happens? The wrath of God's going to come. He sends a deliverer. They recognize the deliverer. And then they continue to do evil, right? Like, this is kind of the pattern. But this time, Josiah is saying, I'm, I'm done with all of that. I'm removing all of it. I'm cleaning house. Whatever it is, it says he brought the, out the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple. I mean, the Asherah pole is in the Lord's temple to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem. He burned it at the Kidron. He beat it to dust. And then he threw its dust on the graves of the common people. Again, there is this constant focus of like, I'm throwing this back on you for those that followed their leaders in apostasy. There's a defilement. There's in Jeremiah, it talks about there's this um, damnation that MacArthur talks about. And so it's like, here you have it on Bethel. And we're throwing ashes on Bethel. And then, oh, by the way, now we're throwing ashes on the common people. Whoever has turned their back against the Lord, uh, I love it because Josiah is saying, enough. You're not going to be buried with your own stuff that you brought upon yourself. In verse 7, it says, he also tore down the houses, the booths, okay, of the male cult prostitutes that were in the Lord's temple in which the women were weaving tapestries for Asherah. In other words, we're getting rid of all of these houses, all of these apartments where sexual sins are taking place. I'm done. And what I see is King Josiah, King Josiah is literally coming in saying enough. And yet for some reason we want to say enough, but we're like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's not okay. We need more King Josiahs in our country. Well, you might offend somebody. You might actually. That's why it's time to revive. It's why it's time to see renewal in our country. It's time to see an awakening in our country and it's time we start calling out what it is. Stop protesting everything because you're offended. The truth is the truth. Josiah is not even done. In verse 8, the scripture continues on. He says, he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and he defiled the high places from Geba to Beersheba. Okay, do you realize how ridiculous this is? So he brought in priests from all kinds of places, from, from Geba, seven miles northeast of Jerusalem. Okay, we're talking about the far north of Judah. And then he's talking about all the way down to Beersheba, which is 45 miles south of Jerusalem, the south end of Judah. So what we're saying is, is throughout all of Judah, I'm cleaning house. Like that would have been a common phrase from Geba to Beersheba. From Geba to Beersheba, I'm cleaning up. And this is really what Josiah is doing. And you kind of have to just say, well, gosh, why do you have to be so negative in this message? Or why do you have to keep hammering? Because in order to see revival, you have to cut all of this junk out of your life. You got to cut it out of the church. You got to cut it out of the schools. Like, since when are we okay with saying, no, we can't pray to God in, in school? That's crazy to me. Statistics have said the second that we pulled out God in, uh, in prayer in the early days, like they have, tr they have shown the track record of all of the educational problems since then. And you're just kind of like, what are we doing? What do you mean you can't say God in the, in, you know, in our prayers or in the national anthem or in the Spar Spangled Banner? Like in, in these songs or these, these, uh, it's just like, what can we pull him out of? And Josiah does the opposite. He says, let's put him back in. Every single one of us has this opportunity. Well, I might lose my job. Well, would you rather put God back in the place and say you spoke up or would you rather just keep your job? 
Verse 9, the priests of the high places, however, they didn't come to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem. Instead, they ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. And in verse 10, it says, He defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of Hinnon, so that no one can make a son or daughter pass through the file to Molech. <laughs> you know what that means? Like, I'm done with this whole child sacrificing stuff. Can I just say, it would be really awesome if somebody in our country just said, enough with abortion. Like, enough. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. And I believe God's going to judge this nation because we've just continued to allow this over and over and over again. Well, here's this exception. Here's this exception. I'm just, I'm telling you guys, we have to be the King Josiahs that point people to the Lord and say, I'm tired of this. Yeah, it sounds like a soapbox because we need a revival. For 11 years, that's what our ministry has pressed in for. We need a move of God. And in verse 11, it says, He did away with the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They had been at the entrance of the Lord's temple in the precincts by the chamber of the Nathan Melech, the court official, and he burned up the chariots of the sun. I mean, these horses and chariots, back then they would have symbolized the sun and, and blazing a trail. And it's really part of, really honestly, worshiping the sun. It, that was the whole point of this. And, it, and this, this crazy, this, this mentality of like, like everything is pointing to not God. And Josiah is tired of this. And in verse 12, he keeps it going. He literally, he tears down the altars that were on the roof. Ahaz's upper chambers that the kings of Judah had made. So these are the kings of Judah, right? That Ahaz before Hezekiah had made. Well, we know Ahaz, he was a messed up guy. He brought in everything from the king of Assyria. And so now all of a sudden, kings later, Josiah says, I'm done with this stuff. The altars that Manasseh had made in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple, then he smashed them there and he threw their dust in the Kidron Valley. Verse 13 continues on. It says, The king also defiled the high places that were across from Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Destruction, uh, which King Solomon decided to build. Because of his many wives, you remember this? Solomon decided to open up to multiple gods, to Ashtoreth, the detestable idol of the Sidonians, for Kamesh, the detestable idol of Moab, and for Milcom, the abomination, uh, abomination excuse me, of the Ammonites. So even the wisest of the wisest, Solomon... He opened up the door for false worship, high places. And guess what? King Josiah says, I don't care. That's not of God. And he starts destroying even those things that people greatly respected because it's Solomon. Josiah says, I don't care. It's done. Wipe it off. We need that kind of drastic revival in our country. We need people that are going to step up in the church and say, you know what? We're doing things because it pleases man, not because it pleases the Lord. Like we need to get to this point where we clear out programs just because like we think we're supposed to do them. But maybe maybe we're supposed to just come before him and pray the entire service. But that wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't make money. But that's what God sometimes is asking us. Guys, we got to get rid of these man-made things that we brought in our own systems. And Josiah is reforming radically the nation. In fact, in verse 14, he broke the sacred pillars into pieces. He cut down the Asherah poles and then he filled their places with human uh, bones. He even tore down the altar at Bethel and the high place at Jeroboam, son of Nabat, who caused Israel to sin and made. Then he burned the high place, crushed it to dust, and then burned the Asherah. It's like this guy's on a mission. Verse 16, it says, as Josiah turned, he saw the tombs there on the mountain. He sent somebody to take the bones out of the tombs, and then he burned them on the altar. He defiled it according to the word of the Lord, proclaimed by the man of God who proclaimed these things you know 300 years later, we just see a prophecy fulfilled. Kevin, if you would, would you go to 1 Kings 3, 2. 1 Kings 3, 2. The prophetic word 
is happening. It says this. However, the people were sacrificing on the high places because until that time, a temple for the Lord's name had not been built. And this is crazy to me. Josiah comes in and walks this thing out and brings out full fulfillment. Verse 17. Just so you know, the altar of Bethel is going to be defiled. Verse 17, he said, what is this monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, it's the tomb of the man who God came from Judah and proclaimed these things that you've done it to the altar, right? At Bethel. So he said, let him rest. Don't let anyone disturb his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. And Josiah also removed the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord. Josiah did the same thing to them that he had done at Bethel. You know, why I love actually reading straight through the scripture for this is I feel like this is going to sound super funny to some of you. I feel like we're releasing something into the atmosphere. This needs to happen in our country. We need to see a true revival where we recognize we have sinned as a church. We've opened up the doors for things that are not of the Lord. And in verse 20, it even says he slaughtered on the altars all the priests of the high places who were there. He burned human bones on the altars, and then he, then he returned to Jerusalem. He got rid of all of these non-Levitical priests, and he just said, enough. The king commanded all the people, keep the Passover of the Lord your God as written in the book of the covenant. So you know what I love about this? It says that he cleans house, and then it says he has one of the best celebrations of all time. And in fact, they'll say that this was, he offered two times the amount of sacrifices than when Hezekiah did for the Passover. Remember when Hezekiah realized, oh man, we got to get back to the Lord. He throws a big old Passover celebration. What's crazy is, is Josiah does, but he throws out two times, 37,600 small animals, 3,800 bulls. Like Josiah realizes we have got to get right with the Lord. Keep the Passover of the Lord your God as is written in the book of the covenant. All of Judah and Israel must be present. Verse 23 says, But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was observed to the Lord in Jerusalem. (laughs) So aside from reforming the land, he then transferred over and said, Celebrating Passover. And we know Passover, you guys. And if you, just as a refresher, Passover is so important. Why? Because it remembers how God, do you see this? It all goes back to the Lord how God spared the Israelites. God was the one who did not give the spirit of death to the Israelites. No, he passed over and they need to recognize and observe all that God has done. And in verse 24, it says this. In addition, it's like, is there anything left in this place? You you wonder if he pulled all the green trees out too. Josiah removed the mediums, the spiritists, the household items, images, and all the detestable things that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem. And he did this in order to carry out the words of the Lord that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the Lord's temple. It was like Josiah fell in love with the word. It was like he went back to his first love and he didn't even know that it was there. But it was King David's. And here you see the surviving seed carrying out all that God wanted. It says in verse 25, Before him there was no king like him 
who turned to the Lord with all of his mind and with all of his heart and with all of his strength according to all the law of Moses. And no one like Josiah arose after him. And all of it, all of his actions, you guys, pointed to the surviving seed. I think it's a pretty cool picture. You know, there's a lot more that we could, we could get into. It goes on for 37, 37 verses, but I just, I'm going to end here. The one thing I'll say this in summary is uh, our good friend Dale Ralph Davis, never met him, <laughs> is that Josiah comes up with a 12-step, and I, I love this, demonification program. Let me say it again. Josiah has a plan. Based on the word of God, he has to de, you ready for this? Manassification. He's got to get rid of all of that Manasseh's done, all that Ammon's done. And honestly, all that some of these other guys have done before. Eight out of 20 have done good things, but even those eight sometimes didn't even do it necessarily. And I just want to summarize one more time. And the reason I want to summarize this, okay, this is how I'm going to close. I'm going to close in a prayer with these. We did this almost a couple other days ago when we talked about 10 things that they needed to be break up. Remember, right? Because Hezek, uh, uh, Ahaz. Ahaz opened himself up to the king of Assyria. I'm just telling you, the church needs to break free from all of this. We need the Josiahs to step up and say, Lord, we don't need any more pagan vessels inside our temples. We don't need any more pagan clergy, Lord, clergy that's functioning in, in our body. God, I'm going to ask that you would remove any Asherah images, any sexual images that are inside the church. And Father, would you remove any form of prostitution, any form of sexual perversion that's taking place in the church? Would you remove it? God, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would literally remove the high places that are becoming the focus rather than you, the ultimate high, high place where we need to turn to you. We need to look to you where you're at, not to our created things. God, I'm asking that you would break this, this ridiculous murder of abortion, this child sacrifice. God, would you stop that in the name of Jesus and Father, we have these weird things, and I actually think this, this sun-worshipping paraphernalia, God, if we're making more about ourselves and how we look rather than you, God, forgive us. God, I'm going to ask that you would allow us to truly smash any idols inside my life, any idols inside my house, any idols inside of the church. And God, would you allow us to eliminate uh, Solomon's folly of because of who we're connected to, because of who we're married to, because of who we're dating or because of our friends, we open up the door for false worship. God, remove those things inside the church. God, would you remove any props for fertility worship? Would you remove any of these things that take away the fact that you are the one that creates life? You are the one that gives life. And then, Father, I come before you and I just ask, would you stop this Jeroboam Bethel spirit that creates this false hope and false worship. And then God, I ask whether it's through the south or through the north, whether it's from Geba to Beersheba, God, whether it's from literally California to Florida to Maine, would you remove any idols that are not of you? God, we long to put our focus on your son, Jesus. And God, I'm going to ask that you right now, would you raise up the spirit of Josiah in the church, 
in leaders, in apostles and pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers and shepherds, God, would you raise them up in such a way that they'd be so bold for you based on the word of God? God, we need a revival. God, I pray that it starts with me, that I'd be bold enough, that I'd be courageous enough. And God, I pray that it trickles over into this ministry, into the cities that we touch. But Lord, I pray that every person within the sound of this message would have the spirit of Josiah and would not hold back. As Paul does at the end of Acts 28, God, he he releases the word of God in boldness and without hindrance. God, remove any obstacles so that we could see a true move of God in this nation. God, it doesn't matter to me if it's in America or if it's in Liberia or if it's in Canada or if it's in the Middle East. God, we want to see you glorified. And I thank you for King Josiah's example. Oh Lord, bring revival. In Jesus' name we pray.